Oh, what show is that? Tool time. Oh, f- <laughs> I don't get it. Everybody. Welcome to I Don't Get It, uh, the dance podcast about dance in Edmonton. Yeah, hello. I'm Fonda. And I'm Paul. And we're going to talk to you about a lot of dance that happened yeah, in Edmonton was, this weekend. It was a veritable buffet there of, was of dance. a buffet of dance and um, dancers yelling things, which was which was kind of a treat, really. A real treat. Okay, so <laughs> physical theater was, at, was if there was a, a, an undercurrent to this week in dance, perhaps um, expansion uh, beyond pure dance. Yes. What yes, we saw. what did we see? So first of all, on Friday we saw the convergence presented by the Good Women Dance Collective. Yes, their annual show of the sort of their own work as well as a showcase of local artists. Yeah, and this year they brought in a gal from Winnipeg named Rebecca Sodden, and right. she presented a piece, a solo piece called Surfacing, uh, which is choreographed by Constance Cook. And what uh, what else did you see this week? <laughs> one I, of us did not see. Yes, I also saw the Prairie Dance Circuit on Saturday, which was. A jam-packed evening of um, physical theater and props and so many interesting noises. Um, but let's talk about Convergence first. Sure, yeah, great. So, um, so yeah, so there were two pieces in Convergence. There was Surfacing and Caveat. Let's start with Surfacing. Yeah, so Surfacing kind of had a really uh, interesting premise in that Sodden is dancing with a large white wooden table. Um, Sodden herself is very tall. She's, yes. she's about six feet tall. And the table itself is about as long. And uh, as a as kind of like an onstage partner, this table took on a very interesting sort of um, uh, role in the piece as well. Yeah, I think, I think there's something really interesting when we watch theater or art or performance where there's a person uh, interacting with an inanimate object and we sort of project onto that object um, uh, emotion and and personality in its own way. That's just something I think we inherently do as people uh, because we're seeing someone react with a thing and that's just how our minds are geared to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and she had these interesting moments where she was she was drawing, like her body had markings on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and at first, you know, kind of thought that actually these three stripes on her arm were a tattoo um, until it ends up, so at some point in the dance, she draws three parallel lines on the table. Right, she has the Sharpie that's hidden under the, the table that she keeps pulling out and drawing on the table as well as on on the bottom of her feet on different parts of her of her body and and yeah on the table as well yeah and so there was this really lovely moment um where her just the lines on her arm matched up with the lines on the table and it only happened for a second but in that moment you got the this kind of this kinship that she had with the table which was kind of interesting and the piece ended in a really I thought lovely reveal in that um, the bottom, the underside of the table is this sort of warped mirror. Yeah. Um, and Sodden is also throughout the piece sort of disrobing and, and taking off um, parts of clothing. Uh, and so I don't know. I mean, maybe just just me as a woman, there's, there's a half naked woman in front of a mirror, especially if the mirror is warped. It brings up all of these things about femininity and body image and yeah, yeah. Um, self-perception. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was it was quite um, emotional in sure. the end. Yeah, and what I found really interesting uh, to build on that as well is that for me, the the sort of like emotional arc of the piece went from sort of uh, tense and jittery and panicked. um, And when the mirror revealed itself, we actually sort of found more calm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I, the piece sort of found like more of a piece uh, to its uh, proceedings. Whereas on the top, one of the opening uh, images is sort of her with her head down, and she's sort of like jittering and scratching at, yeah, at her hair, which is in a bun. Shuddering movements, yeah. yeah, throughout the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and and sh- also the relationship that she develops with the table, just in pure movement. There's one really kind of. Uh, interesting moment where the audience sort of gets to hold its breath a bit. She balances the table on two of its legs, um, like tall, like the tall part up, I guess. So this table is like very precariously teetering, um, you know, going one way or the other. And she, she knows this table well enough. She knows this exact spot that it will balance well mm-hmm. enough but then it'll like go forward and back and you know you're, and you're there with her um that was a really intimate moment they just kind of did not expect yeah mm-hmm. i think um especially we're talking about one dancer and a table one of the things i really liked about surfacing was that um it did sort of generate this sense of intimacy and relationship um and found it through moments like that through drawing both on herself and the table through the reveal of the mirror like all of this really sort of gave it a sense of um of yeah, of, of sort of this intimacy and, and finding a calm again, sort of uh, beneath the surface, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and even just like uh, her, she would push the table along the floor in this sort of like weird guttural vibration mm. that the table would make. Um, this sort of reflect, it, it's almost mirrored in the way that her movements would shatter sometimes. Right. And so, yeah, you kind of like drew all these connections and stuff. It was, it was very interesting yeah. to watch. One of my favorite um, moments, I think, was when um, she propped the table up uh, she was underneath the table and sort of propped up two of the legs on her back and sort of dragged it and walked on all fours. Uh, there was a, there was sort of a, a light at the lip of the stage. So we got this huge um, shadow silhouette of that happening as she was moving and this dragging sound. And yeah, it sort of made this strange, beautiful visual that all came mm-hmm. together and sound. It's like beautiful yeah. table monster beast. Yeah, thing. table monster beast uh, <laughs> with sounds. And yeah, sort mm-hmm. of made it more immersive. And again, sort of drew you in and sort of helped you find that intimacy between a uh, person and inanimate object. Yeah, yeah. And so it was a really, a very reflective, very personal piece. Um, yeah, it got a lot of emotion out of it. It was well, well performed. And it was neat to see um, a dancer that we actually frankly haven't really seen before in Edmonton Mm. so that was really cool Um, the next piece was the good women themselves in caveat and this was a new piece that was sort of um, creatively uh, overseen by Ainsley Hilliard Right. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, it sort of is loosely based on a, a Aesop fable of um, of sort of greed and envy and um, and and their their interaction in the story of, of these two people going to the god Jupiter and, you know, wanting uh, very, very greedily asking for things and Jupiter promising them, OK, you can have your wish. But uh, if you have your wish, your neighbor gets double that um, and sort of the, that, that shallowness and how that that plays out. Um, yeah, yeah. That yeah, was, sort of how like greed and envy work against each other to be even worse things in the end. Yeah, and it was sort of personified mm-hmm. by um, by one of the good women um, as as sort of this Jupiter, this overseer, this arbiter character, um, and the other two representing the the other sides of that, the two who are directly in competition. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was a piece that really felt like it was physical theater in the purest sense of that term, in that we had mm-hmm. a lot of talking, we had a yeah, lot of narrative. Yeah, there was a narrative. lot of storytelling in it. Um, they they definitely wanted to tell you the stories and there were also these 
kind of really cruel questions that kept throwing out. Yeah, and this, um, this was sort of from the. Uh, so we got a sample of this at Expanse uh, back in the spring, um, of these these two characters sort of being asked, "Who's the funniest? Mm-hmm. Who's the prettiest? Who's the strongest?" And yeah. having to answer mm-hmm. that. And in this one, I felt like the questions, the stakes were really raised. Um, there was one, "Who has more to lose?" Yeah, you know, yeah. "Who deserves this more?" And it became, it, it was really sinister. I felt, yeah. and I think it was. Um, really obvious, maybe not intentional, but like the instance of sort of female on female violence. Sure, yeah. um, definitely like the competition between women because it was three female performers in the piece. Um, but yeah, it, they just really did. I felt like they really did it justice um, when they were asking these questions because every so often you felt that little like stab, like, oh, that was a hard one. You yeah, know? yeah. And it was um, an interesting sort of a change, I guess, from what we saw it as a, in Expanse was that framing and how, how it was presented. Um, at Expanse, we sort of the vibe was more Mean Girls, I guess, where it was sort of mm. these two girls asking each other's questions. But now there was sort of this, uh, there was this third figure, this arbiter, this sort of mythical character, um, and the music was a lot had like more of an, an onus, had more of an a sort of uh, a, a gravitas to it, and that sort of gave them this more sinister edge that there was more of stakes to to everything. So mm-hmm. even though. Um, yeah, it sort of ad- even though it was just part of the score, it sort of really added to this this um, the events that were actually happening on the stage. Yeah, and so um, throughout the piece, there's kind of there there's a shift. First of all, it seems like the Kate Stashko's character has kind of actually got one up on Alita mm-hmm. Nyquist's yeah. character. She seems like she's sort of used to winning. She sort of has that mm-hmm. air of of victory about her. Yeah, and um, so one of my favorite parts of the piece is when um, this seems to start shifting. By this point, there have been, I don't know, a few hundred origami paper crowns that have been rained all over oh, yeah. Kate. In, in a highlight moment, yeah, there's actually a cord pulled and they just fall from the ceiling yeah. <laughs> uh, upon her. It's a very, it's funny. Yeah. Uh, it was, uh, caveat was a really funny piece. There was a lot of humor to it, which is great. Yeah, and in this part that I like, the 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 funniest part, I think, as well, mm-hmm. is um, also we did see a peak of it at the Expanse Festival yeah. when they kind of tested this piece out, was um, this part where sort of Alita's character is, is kind of gaining momentum, and she's st- actually saying, you know, actually, I know I'm really good at these things. I think I'm the most patient. I think I think I'm the kindest. Mm-hmm. And in on the other side of the stage, kind of in in the background, Kate is playing around in these crown, these like mountains of paper crowns, and just like it builds and builds and right. builds. She's until actually shouting, sort of me, 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 and me. that becomes like vomit sounds. <laughs> Instead of me, 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 it's like, Wah! and she's just screaming and like losing her, lo- um, yeah, whatever. Her, um, her composure, losing, shall we say, losing her composure. That was better than what I was gonna say. Um, but you know, it was it was great to watch because it was just an actual complete release and total freedom there even though she was in a bad spot with it sure mm-hmm. sure so um so yeah so that's a lot of sort of maybe like the plot elements and, and some of the big moments but what, what was the movement like how would you describe the movement in uh, caveat fonda well i think that um in this piece which was I mean, I, it was a different piece for the good women in that I don't think that the movement was as heavily featured. Yeah, yeah. As um, so. as it is in, um, say, in last year's um, Convergence piece, which I think I believe Alita choreographed. Um, this one was less pure dance, far more physical theater, far more vocalization, and the vocalization really sort of um, lent lent all the cadence and everything to what the movement actually ended up being. I think that. Um, 
In the role of Jupiter, mm-hmm. um, Allison Cause had some pretty interesting movement off the top. Yeah. Um, that was sort of like really sweeping. And she has such a strong, um, decisive style that, uh, yeah, that so that really kind of drew you into like the type of character that she was playing. But um, it, in the other sense, the other movement too, I mean, like Kate did some swimming through the sea of crowns mm-hmm. and <laughs> things mm-hmm. like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel that there was the movement was less highlighted um than the than the vocals and the actual per- the theatrical performance was. sure yeah and i and for i guess i would i would love to see it expanded further with more sort of pure movement dropped into those sort of narrative beats mm-hmm. and and sort of see how just sort of sitting in those moments um after they've sort of been vocalized and explained and exploring them then with the body would be a really um uh, uh, interesting sort of uh, uh, further exploration of said piece. Mm-hmm. I found that some of the most interesting moments were actually moments of stillness and pause where they would, you know, balance a bunch of crowns on, on say, Allison's oh, yeah, yeah. back or try mm-hmm. and balance the crowns on each other. And and it just kind of made you, you know, you look at this image of someone trying to hold these paper crowns and there's this sort of groundedness that they're trying to achieve, yet there's still, there's so much emotion behind right. what they're saying. And also even just like the symbol, like symbolism of a paper crown, you mm-hmm. know, this thing that, that has so much status, but is is made of paper. And there's so many of them, mm-hmm. you know. And they all get crushed. They all get rolled on yeah. and tumbled on. And yeah. like, but, but then the mm-hmm. last image in this show is of, of, of these two characters sort of frantically like flinging through these paper crowns like they still mean something or like they're trying to find the one mm-hmm. that will mean something still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So in that way, I mean, I feel like um, the movement was um, a little looser, maybe more aggressive sure. um, than than um, we've sort of seen in the past. Uh, and so, yeah, in that way, it was pretty neat. I, I think that, of course, the good women, their biggest strength is their is their movement as well. So mm-hmm. um, it would be neat to see. Um, yeah, what they would do with more um, emphasis on the actual movement as well. Right. Um, and, and yeah, all the same, a very sort of like them uh, pushing another boundary of like, you know, uh, Ainsley Hilliard has done some theater work. I don't know if the rest of them have, but mm-hmm. sort of to bring text into it and to focus on text mm-hmm. as dancers is sort of a, a risk we don't often yeah, see. Yeah, it's a brave thing, and it, and it was pretty neat. And I do have to say it was... It was better than some of the dance and vocalization that I have seen. Sometimes you watch some dance and there's vocalization and you're like, oh, they don't feel very comfortable doing that. And you can tell this was not like that. They actually, all the performers were doing like, yeah, we're, we're acting and they were doing yeah. great. great. <laughs> yeah. Great. All right, Fonda, what else did you see this weekend? Okay, so I went and saw the Prairie Dance Circuit. Right. Presented um, by Brian Webb Dance Company, sort of his annual... Um, sort of, I guess, excavation of Dance on the Prairies, where they sort of pull dancers and choreographers and, and ideas from from Edmonton or from Alberta and Saskatchewan and Winnipeg. Yeah, he usually collaborates with con- uh, with companies either in Calgary or Regina. Um, I know that he's uh, collaborated a few times with Winni- Winnipeg Contemporary Dancers and, of course, dancers from Edmonton. Um, this year, there were two pieces by... Um, uh, companies or people from Winnipeg I guess and first off independent artist Ming Han um, in a solo piece called The Exhibitionist um, and uh, which also featured Winnipeg contemporary dancers artistic director Brent Lott as the office assistant which I will get to Um, (laughs) uh, and then the second piece actually also choreographed by Ming Han but actually commissioned um, for the Prairie Dance Circuit and cast on a trio of uh, Winnipeg contemporary dancers Um, so 
And then there was a third piece, also uh, Raina Waddell, who is from Edmonton. Uh, she pre- uh, was performing in a duet called Here Now. Right, which is um, something we also got uh, a sample of at Expanse. Yes, yes, um, we did. Mm-hmm. Um, and so so first off, um, I guess I'll talk about Raina Waddell's piece first, because the Ming Han pieces take a little unpacking. Sure. <laughs> um, Raina Waddell's piece was sort of sandwiched in there, um, and it was a, a duet, which also included a video collaboration um, uh, by Mark Shalafu, who is one of our super uber photographers around Edmonton, right. and he does a lot of dance photography, so this was video that he did with Raina and Deanne Underwood. And uh, yeah, that was really interesting, actually. I felt like the, the video, so the way that it played out, there was the video playing and one of the dancers on stage stage and the the video the dancer in the video and the dancer on stage kind of are doing a sort of interesting duet together okay, so the video is dance as well yes the then. video is of mm-hmm. dance as well and it's of the two dancers um that are in that are on the stage but right. actually kind of vice versa so when rain is on stage Deanne is on the screen and yeah mm-hmm. switch it so um by the end of the piece you know you kind of get this uh they both end up coming on the stage and you kind of get this sort of like unified theme of like oh so this is the movement this is how the duets match up um it was very interesting it was very pure dance um mm-hmm. nice to watch both dancers are really um really lovely movers actually Raina Waddell is one of like um one of actually Edmonton's um, uh, the, one of the last dancers actually who came out of the Grant McCune dance program. Right, right, right. So um, she's kind of one of our, uh, our you know, um, hometown. There's a, there's hometown. a legacy there. Yeah, there's the a legacy. legacy there. And um, then Deanna, who has not actually performed in, in some years, mm-hmm. it was kind of like her coming back to the stage uh, after having kids and, and other things in life. Right. So, so what was the movement like in the piece? Um, the movement, I, I found just the the way that the, it, they, the dancers played with the film, it was really circular. So there were there were certain parts, you know, where they would sit up very tall um, with like flexed feet. And there's, you know, just a couple of marquee sort of like images and movements that you could pick out. And uh, it just really kind of brought you back to what you either saw in the film or in the in the dance piece before. And yeah, it was... It's very enjoyable. I'm not. I'm not too sure what the actual sort of um, impetus was behind it, or what they were really trying to say. Okay. But it was just like lovely to watch. There was some Sadie Ross music in it. Hey, all right. <laughs> um, and yeah, so that was that one piece. Okay, check. Um, so then Ming Han. I think that this gal is. Uh, She's kind of a powerhouse performance artist out in Winnipeg. Um, I don't know that we've seen her in Edmonton before at all, but I have a feeling that we will see more of her in the future. Okay, so so what makes her a powerhouse based um, on these two performances? This girl is just fearless and and not really at all concerned with any um, any squeamish themes or anything. There are orgasms and live birth and vomiting and um, ejaculation and all these things all being, of the bodily fluids all of the out. all of the things right. being mimed uh, and and actually screamed in between the exhibitionist and the other piece called forever in blue teens okay um, and it it was fascinating and at times really uncomfortable and jarring but in the way that you want performance art to make you uncomfortable and jar you a little bit okay so so maybe let's start with 
were the the exhibitionists. So maybe maybe describe the movement in that a little bit and 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 what uh, stood out about it, what emerged. Sure. So um, the exhibitionist starts with. Um, Han enters in sort of a trench coat type thing. Um, Brent Lott is on the stage with a photocopier and making copies and kind of setting this right. office space that they have on the stage. Um, Han goes on. She mimes uh, sex and an orgasm with the photocopier, which is hilarious. Um, then she she um, there's a pile of paper on the stage, which she promptly... Um, stuffs up her dress and down her chest to make l- herself look like a pregnant woman because she's she's quite um, she's quite petite mm-hmm. herself, um, not a lot of curves or anything. So once she actually stuffs all this stuff in her dress, she looks like a really like crumply sort of pregnant woman. A really crumply. She pregnancy. goes around. Okay. The audience lights are up for almost the entire dance. Oh, wow. Um, And it's about 40 minutes long, I would say. Uh, She goes around um, kind of like, (laughs) I don't know. It made me think of that song, Pregnant Women Are Smug. By the, the, I don't remember the the comedy duo's name right now. But they're awesome. Hall and Oates. Hall and Oates. Right, right, right. Um, So Han goes around to the the audience and she looks at audience members sort of Mm -hmm. endearingly. And she's like... Do you want? Do you want to touch my belly? Oh, wow. okay. <laughs> um, with her crumply pregnant Did belly. Did anyone? Did anyone? Oh yeah, oh, people okay. were touching it and stuff, and it was great. And so, of course, after that, she gives birth to all the little paper babies that she stuffed in her dress. And um, then there's a, another hilarious sequence where Brent Lott keeps pulling out these um, paper babies, which actually have Han's face photocopied in different weird contorted okay. ways where she's smushed her face against the photocopier pane. So each of these babies, these are balls of paper wrapped in saran wrap with her, this face taped on them. Mm-hmm. And they each have a different face. And she's talking to them all. There's no music in this piece. Okay. It's just her talking and yelling and things. Um, so she, and then she's nursing these pa- these paper babies. And there's like a litter of them. There's a, like eight yeah, to a dozen. Yeah. Um, and so this goes on for a little while. The babies end up being, becoming, you know, like paper people. And so all of these pieces of paper are, are pasted onto a wall where you can see all of their parts breasts, arms, legs, mm-hmm. everything. And um, there ends up being a number of them all pasted onto the wall. That part got a little bit extended, but in the end, she kind of rips them all down and has a total freak out. And um, then it, it she rolls around in some more paper and then it's kind of over. And uh, you just realize that it was this large extended play on the idea of labor, not only like labor in an office right, um, right. and pushing paper and things like that, but labor and women's labor and raising children and uh, that kind of thing. So <laughs> it was it's quite a dense piece. You felt sure. a little bit assaulted by it okay. for sure. But um, yeah, in, in the end, you know. <laughs> so so I guess um, um, how uh, maybe this is two questions in one. Um, but um, how did how did it feel? I guess to watch a, a dance show with the lights up, where where you're sort of just as visible as the dancer. Um, and part two of that, same thing with with no score, when it's sort of like there isn't this like extra sort of cinematic vibe of 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 sound mm-hmm. um, that isn't just being made by the people on stage. Right. Um, I think <laughs> that that sort of really lent to the performance art feel of it. Mm. You know, when you uh, often when you see performance art, it is in a much smaller space. You're not usually in a soft seat theater watching right. a piece like this. Um, and so that was, I feel like it was an integral for her to see us um, and for us to know that um, she knew we were watching. Right. Okay. Um, 
So I think that 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 in that way, um, also it allowed her to come down and interact a lot more with the audience. She came right, down into right. the audience a few times, and so did Brent Lott. Like they passed off babies through the audience, and as, and as one is wont to do, things like passing that. Yeah. Babies through an <laughs> the, the paper babies, right? Um, so yeah, and and in that way, I think it was. Uh, Interesting, and I did go see it with a friend. I saw it with my friend Kara, and she she noticed um, that she felt a little jarred by the fact that there wasn't music. She's right. just like, I kept thinking there was going to be music starting, and there's no music. Mm-hmm. So, um, in that way, you know, sometimes when you see performance art, there isn't music, and it's just the artist vocalizing or making sounds. Like the sound of the photocopier itself and the lights of the photocopier right. really did play into it. Um, but in that way, you know, it was really just Han and the sounds that she was making that were the soundscape for it. Um, I I don't know. I didn't mind t- too much. And I have to say, I almost didn't really notice because I was just so engaged sure. uh, with what was happening. And I was just fascinated by how, frankly, obscene it was. Obscene and hilarious. Right. Um, and I'm really enjoying myself, so you actually. Would, you would say you, you get it. Yeah, I got I got it. Sure. Um, I think the last piece, Forever in Blue Jeans, was a little bit more dense. There was a little more to unpack. Okay. Um, it was a new piece that Han choreographed for three dancers from uh, Winnipeg Contemporary Dancers. Um, there were Kayla Henry, Ali Robinson, and Natasha Torres Garner. Sure. Um, they were fantastic. Uh, they were really brave. There were all top topless moments with all three women. Um, they, of course, they start out in the Canadian tuxedo with um, as white. one is wont to do. Yes, in <laughs> denim on denim. Yeah, yeah. Uh, denim denim jackets, denim pants, and white uh, white tank tops. And then uh, uh, you know they would go through moments where they were stripping down, and there were, there was a fair amount of the dance where all three um, or one of the three at least was was topless. And I think that it was. And I just, you know, there are a lot of things I feel like I have to guess because there was so much going on. Okay. Um, there were parts where the dancers were barking at each other like dogs. And I it made me feel like, are they acting like, like a, you know, jerky men who are just, you know, like competing with right, each other so and animalistic yeah. and stuff. Um, and then, and you know, like how men freely take their, can freely take their shirts off sort of, you know. Not whenever they want, but more often than women usually can. Well, I mean, more or less. <laughs> uh, and, and it's and it's not obscene, right? I mean, right, it's exactly, not it's exactly. it's not um, you know uh, scandalous or whatever. Mm-hmm. And also in the piece, there were um, they had pennies, hundreds and hundreds of pennies in their pockets, and they would do the they would like go through sort of like daily life things like walking down the street or you know like even catcalling someone, things like that. And then they would go through other things like being in the bathroom, vomiting, and these pennies would punctuate the bodily fluid that was supposed to be coming out. Um, And yeah, and also just a lot of vocalization. There was no music in this piece either, except for at the very end. Okay. Um, where they played, uh, yeah. For so, so I mean, based on that, those are very specific images. Sort of, was there a narrative to this? Did it feel like physical theater, sort of in the same mm-hmm. sense that Caveat did? Obviously, in with a very mm-hmm. different approach, but in terms of what it was, how it was trying to tell its story. Yeah, I think there wasn't really a linear narrative. It was okay. more tableaus um, and just kind of like short scenes where, uh, you know, like there there was one image that they kind of kept going back to, where they would shake pennies in their palms, like kind of like 
gambling like you're about to roll yep. some dice um, and then they would like throw a bunch of pennies out and then the scene would kind of change um, and yeah and then there were, there were other moments where they were all kind of collecting the pennies and the pennies sort of took on different meanings and different values in different scenes so the, yeah like I, I guess yeah that's the the point that I have or the answer to the question is that mm-hmm. I feel like there were a lot of little stories going on within some larger themes sure um and i think that uh you know the instance of this canadian tuxedo being sort of like i don't know like the everyday working man sort of outfit and i don't know maybe the influence of the prairies and uh, i i do feel like that came in there um it did feel sometimes like there were some like good old boys all on the stage being kind of dicks to each other right. those, those good old boys <laughs> there, and there was there were wrestling moments like I, all that kind of stuff it was it was it was really interesting to watch sure. i felt my brain was like on fire the whole time because every everything had a double meaning right because you know they were either acting really masculine mm-hmm. or acting really neutral um i mean there were parts of it where they looked so androgynous that it you know didn't really feel gendered at all. So, so as as a as an audience member, then what do you think you gain from that sort of density when we're, you're watching a piece where you can tell there's so much going on, mm-hmm. there's so many sort of layers to what you're watching. Well, for me, it's three days later, and I'm still yeah. sort of mulling it. <laughs> like cool. I'm still kind of chewing on it, and that's really neat. Like I like that a lot. I feel also that I would go back and see this piece, and I would see, I would get more. Um, and you know, you'd probably get different things in different times. Also, I know that it is a new piece. Um, and I think that um, maybe in some different iterations there, it probably will change. There wasn't a lot of set choreography per se in the piece. There was um, some improvisation, a lot of talking to each other, a lot of, again, screaming, yelling, barking like dogs. Um, (laughs) I saw so much screaming and dancing. It was a big week for (laughs) vocalization and dance. Yeah. And, uh, and again, these performers really did pull out all the stops as well. There was not a moment where they were not committed to um to that and 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 especially in some very vulnerable situations that uh in in the piece itself so um i really appreciated that and um i thought that it was um an a total a total success in that way sure and and um i guess so so in the first piece uh in the first ming piece uh, we you talked about silences. It was great because it sort of like it let her. It sort of helped remove that fourth wall for this this piece. Mm-hmm. With this one, was it any different with with the fact that there wasn't any score except at the end? Mm-hmm. Because was that this one? I'm assuming the lights were down on the audience for. Yeah, we didn't really. The audience wasn't really featured <laughs> mm-hmm. um, as as a player in this one as much. Um, but there were there were the between the noises of the three performers as well as the noises of the pennies mm-hmm. um, and things like that. I, I think that I don't know. I didn't I didn't need an extra score. Sure, there's there's there was a score even though there wasn't. Yeah, like, they were there was they so were, much sound effect sort of mm-hmm. type thing packed in by virtue of what they were doing. Okay. Yeah, they were they were filling it in well enough. It was another instance where I almost I just didn't even really notice mm-hmm. until the very end when they pile all of the extra jeans like so there's all this extra denim that's sure. around the stage throughout the piece. They pile all of it in the middle at the very end and they sit in this like sort of wonderful cheesy tableau um, where they're all kind of like piled on the jeans. Um and uh, and then they play the credits with uh, the, the a song at the yeah. end, which is the the Forever in Blue Jeans. Sure, song? yeah, sure. Um, 
Yeah. Um, okay, so that sounds like a very long evening of dance. That sounds like three very full pieces. It was long. I it the even as as engaged as I was, it it was a long night. Great. Why why do you think that's? What do you think of of a show that's that long? Like as as a dance piece, do you think that's helpful to sort of cram that much into an evening? Um, I think in some ways, you know, like. I'm really proud of the prairie dance circuit. I think it does great things for prairie dance artists. Um, I think that it could be almost a mini festival. Okay. Um, in in a way that like I I think it's a lot to ask of an audience to sit through like three pieces that are each over thirty minutes right. or around thirty minutes long. Um, but and, if it was more of a mm-hmm. like a spread over a couple nights sort of thing. Yeah. Um. And maybe maybe then you can fit even more prairie dancers into it right. if there's two like feature nights or um or something like that. Um. I don't know. I mean, I feel really bad saying it because I I often say you know like oh there's no intermission ever even theater anymore. Everyone is doing one acts now. So mm-hmm. um you know I don't I don't want to make the make the case that like everyone should be doing short right. shows. But this one this one did end up feeling a little bit long um and i think probably um yeah i i I think i would have been good with two of the three sure long (laughs) and long and dense and a lot to unpack is is a lot to ask or or even have like a special like because there's like great performance art pieces where you kind of want to be up closer and in a different situation one of the performance art pieces i mean like the exhibitionist you could have put in almost any sort of office room and had people going into it and Mm -hmm. like yeah it 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 could have gone in in almost any setting um and frankly the way that it was done with as much audience um, kind of feedback and things. I don't know how often it's actually done in a soft seat theater, um, but it was still great to see. It was it was it was pretty cool. <laughs> cool, sweet, yeah, yeah. Sounds like a ton of things to unpack. It was, yeah. I'm still thinking about it, and I really, I really uh, think that you know maybe um, after a few years and a few more sort of uh, uh, pieces under her belt, Ming Han may start gaining a reputation. Um, in across the country for for very interesting and uh, brave performance art. Great, cool. Yeah. Well, that was that was our week in dance. I think. Yeah. What's uh, what's we're, coming up? You Fonda? know, you know what, Paul? Tomorrow. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, we were our week is our week is young. <laughs> <laughs> Still going. Uh, tomorrow we're gonna go see Flashdance the musical. Yeah. <laughs> and. Um, yeah, we're also um, going to try and package a podcast really quickly because we have a special announcement to make. Yes, but not on this podcast. Nope. Um, but of, uh, you know, for for any sort of person who might be like, hey, when are those those critics going to get on the stage? Maybe yeah. maybe that's going to be a thing. I mean, you guys going to get out and dance and be um, like, well, maybe. <laughs> well, maybe. I don't know how much dancing we're going to do, but but we have we're we'll be doing something in the next little while and so, we'll we'll talk about it next time. So you have to listen to our flash dance review podcast to uh to get that announcement. Great. All right. Well, that's that's been I don't get it. That's been I don't get it. Okay. Go watch some dance, folks. Bye. I Don't Get It is a podcast produced by Pablino, Fonda Mithrush, and Andrew Paul. It was recorded in a blanket fort in the Tall House on Alberta Avenue in Edmonton, Alberta. Our website is idontgetitdance.com. You can follow us on Twitter at I Don't Get It Dance, and you can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Our theme song is Mountain Time by Ghibli. Follow his music and check him out at ghibli.bandcamp.com. Sit here thinking.